דשיעור אין עצות מבוארות. Even without the sefarim, one will realize that we are less than a week to Rosh Hashanah, and we find all over the Jewish people that people get together in large crowds for Rosh Hashanah. This idea is explained in the sefarim. There is a tremendous effect when people to get, get together to tzaddikim, especially to true tzaddikim on Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh, we have a pasuk that says, Tashuri me Rosh Amana, connecting the Rosh with the Emuna. Rosh Hashanah, Huzman Tikuna Emuna. Rosh Hashanah is the time for the fixing and the rectification of faith. Ki al yederi buya kibutzim, vahakehilot shemet asfim el tzadike emet berosh Hashanah, through the many congregations that get together with true tzaddikim on Rosh Hashanah, through this, all the facets of the holy emunah, the faith in Hashem, the faith in the Torah, the faith in the tzaddikim, is fixed and rectified. It's uh, necessary for a person who wants to have emunah, that his brain should be the type of brain that can receive emuna, more spiritual type of brain. person who gets together with tzaddikim has the ability to receive special, special things from the tzaddikim. It's not for nothing that you have tens of thousands of people who travel to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. First and foremost, people go because... Rabbeinu Zal said to go. And Rabbeinu Zal said an interesting, he says, I have a mazel, that people listen to me. It's uh, really an amazing thing, because that is the main reason. The world at large does not understand this at all. Uh, but the real reason why so many tens of thousands of people go is so simple. It's because Rabbi Nachman Mibreslav Zal said so. And that's that. All the other nice things that you hear, which is very true, it's very inspirational. There's people walk away with a lot of inspiration, etc., plus, plus. But you know what Rabbeinu Zal said about his Rosh Hashanah? He said in Yiddish, Your Essen, Nit Essen. Your Shlufen, Nit Shlufen. Your Davenin, Nit Davenin. One of the Hasidim was asking him, he says, it's a big balagan. You could imagine, big balagan, like maybe four, let's say four or five hundred people. Big balagan, big, uh, it was very difficult for him. He was a queasy type of person and he didn't want to really come to Rabbeinu Zal in his lifetime for Rosh Hashanah uh, because he felt a different time would be more tranquil for him. And therefore he felt, he said, Rebbe, come a different Shabbat. You know, it doesn't have to be Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe said, why? Because he didn't really have a good place to eat on Rosh Hashanah. This is very confusing. Or the, the sleeping accommodations were very tight. It's not the type of mattress that he wanted. He didn't feel that he would be able to pray with the same concentration he would at home. And on this, the Rebbe said, even if I acquiesce and acknowledge to you all these three things, it doesn't matter. Your essen, nit essen. You do eat, you don't eat. Your shlufen, nit shlufen. You do sleep, you don't sleep. 
You're davening, nit davening. You do pray with kavana, you don't pray with kavana. Whatever it is, a beat designed by me, Rosh Hashanah. You should be, as long as you're here for Rosh Hashanah, everything will be beautiful. And this is the ultimate reason why people go. There are so, so many fringe benefits, though, meaning we nullify our mind to Rabbeinu Zal, that he knows that this is the thing to do. Like he said, Gor Mein Zach is Rosh Hashanah. My whole thing is Rosh Hashanah. But here we learn that Rosh Hashanah, by the tzaddik, has other myriad advantages, one of which is the fixing and rectification of emunah. The heads of people who come to uh, the tzaddik on Rosh Hashanah get washed. You know, like they say, they say we're brainwashed. It's really true. The Benuzal washes our brain from all the filth of the world. We're not brainwashed in the fact that we're robots and zombies like the world at large. They, the world at large, are the robots and zombies. They are brainwashed that their intellectualism and sophistication and their bestsellers on the New York Times list is where to be and their Broadway shows, that's culture and this is what what they do at the end of those Broadway shows. We won't even speak about all the despicable things that it leads to. Anyways, the brain of the people who come to the true tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah gets fixed and sparks with holiness. This is one amazing thing. There's three Rosh. There's the person's own head. There's Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. And there is the tzaddik, who is the Rosh Bait. All these getting together fix and rectify a person's faith. There is nothing, absolutely nothing in a person's life that's more important than emunah. The main thing is faith. Faith means not only faith that Hashem created the world a long time ago and it's spinning on its axis. Faith does not just mean I know that there's a Hashem and I believe that there's a tzaddik and in the Torah. It means that a person believes implicitly in hashkahapiratit, in absolute divine providence. If the coffee is weak today, it's because Hashem wanted the coffee to be weak today. If the person doesn't wake up with a spring in his step today, it's because that's Hashem's decree. Baal Shem Kadosh had a famous story with a water carrier. The water carrier, uh, he met him one day and he asked the water carrier, Baal Shem Kadosh, is he connected with the simple people? And he asked, how are you doing? He says, how I'm doing? Fantastic. Unbelievable. He's an older man schlepping heavy uh, pills of water back and forth to people. He says, listen, I make, I eke out a living. I have what to eat. I'm healthy. I have a family. Everything is fantastic. He meets him another day. The same man. Baal Shem says, hi, how you doing? Of course, expecting to hear the same dissertation. And he tells him, oh, Rebbe, you know, such a schwer Leben, such a hard life. I have to schlep these heavy things around, and it, it, it's not, uh, the money they give me is so little, it don't feel so good, blah, blah. Hashem says, what, what's happening here? Hashem says, Adam nidon b'chol yom. A person is judged every day. There's a great judgment on Rosh Hashanah, but a person, that judgment manifests itself throughout the year. A person is judged every day according to his actions, and for reasons best known to Hashem, he is put into different situations to have different tests, because every day is a new world. No selichot is the same. 
Also want to mention here an important thing that Haim Falaji says. Some people, this goes exactly in tandem with the Rebbe's anti-sophistication campaign. People say, listen, I already said Anna and Le David, I, and Vayabor, I said it already in Selihot. I got to rehash it again afterwards. The same exact thing. And this comes also from a person's own highfalutin mindset that he thinks he knows better than the hachamim. The answer is that there are two different modes. The mode of selichot, you may be saying the same exact thing, but it makes fixing and rectification A. And when you say the same exact thing, at the juncture of Shahrit, an hour later, it makes a completely different rectification. Don't be too smart to say, I said this already in Salihot. I don't have to repeat this again, because that's highfalutin sophistication and intellectualism. Cast your mind aside and understand what the Arizal says. There never was a tefillah that is the same. The times, they are a-changing. Every time the time changes, the rectification changes. You hear you are the saying the same exact Amidah for the last 50, 60 years, you're saying the same exact Amidah every day. There never was one Amidah that was the same as another. Never was one that was the same as another configuration of all the upper spheres is different. Cast your mind aside. Listen to the tzaddikim, do what they say. They say, to learn Shulchan Aruch, you understand why you should or you shouldn't do it anyway. They say to have it daily, secluded prayer with Hashem for an hour a day, do it. They say to come to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, just do it. The same thing applies to the 10 days of repentance. We're going to hear from uh, Rabbi Yenosan Maimon in a minute. The same thing in the 10 days of repentance that through the ideas of repentance and ma'asim tovim that we do during these days, you fix your brain. And that's called tefillin. It is not an accident. The tefillin goes between your, in the place that corresponds to between your eyes because it is the seal of holiness, the tikkun berit, as it directly connects to tefillin. Anyone who really wants to understand something about tefillin should learn likute halachot, Tefillin He. A wondrous discourse on Tefillin that Rabbi Natan a mind boggling discourse on Tefillin, which is translated into English, by the way. Chaim Kramer Shlita has translated this particular item, a discourse on Tefillin, into English, and it's available for the English speaking public to understand a little bit what Tefillin is. I had an occasion with a certain person who was a misnagid, a fierce opponent of, I guess, maybe Hasidim in general, but Preslav in particular. He happened upon this pamphlet of Likutei Halachot Tefillin and read it. He must have read it objectively because he read it. He saw what it was. It's Rabina Tanzal. And he insisted, uh, he came to the prayers one day in the shul because we knew we were at odds in this issue. Uh, otherwise, everything was beautiful, but this issue, we were major odds. He came over to me, to me and he said, I have to talk to you after the prayer. Ask, I know sometimes it's a headache, so you know, I'm not looking forward to this meeting. After the <laughs> prayer, he comes over to me and he says, I made a big mistake. 
Okay, what's he mean? He said, I made a big mistake. I misunderstood this whole thing, Breslov, and I made a big mistake. I said, okay, don't worry. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to explain to you, I read this, and if this is the student, what is the Rebbe? I made a big mistake. Ashrei Chelko, fortunate, is this person who yet while here in this world regretted his mistake and was objective enough to see his mistake, he should merit to have a long life and his kashus tzaddikim and everything good. But this is what it is. A person who sees and looks with an objective eye at the discourses of Rabbi Natan Zal will understand more about the fact that there's brain surgery being done on Rosh Hashanah. Do through the 10 days of repentance, the way that a person's mind is fixed is with the aspect of the seal of holiness, the Tikkun Perit is in Tefillin, and Yom Kippur is the ultimate seal, as we read that we are sealed in the book on Yom Kippur. This is a metaphor for this idea of the seal of holiness, which means that the brain is finally fixed, and then we're ready for Sukkot to draw happiness to fix the food, food should not be a person's downfall on Shmini Atzeret, Tikuna Mishpat, the fixing of the concept of justice to be saved from Mikre and other types of Pegama Berit that comes through judges who are not proper. All of this is explained in the Torah. Tiku Emuna is more than meets the eye here. Yoter Mimashe Karati Katuv Khan. When true students come to the true Rebbe, and the main thing is when they come for Rosh Hashanah, all these tikkunim are done, and of course through the blowing of the shofar, a person also merits to emunah. I'm not going to go through all these steps, but we'll wait for Rabbi Maimon to add uh, important points at this juncture. <clears throat> Just to add, stories are always healthy and, and inspiring. Um, oh. 46 years ago, when the rabbi and I were in the same class in school, and we would, we would talk, we would speak, we would trade divrei Torah. I had started going to Breslov classes at the time by Rabbi Rosenfeld, and the rabbi loved holy books. He loved Yesod Veshor Shavoda. I remember books that were special, very inspirational in Judaism. And we would trade, we would trade words of Torah when we studied together in the class. And then one time I invited, I decided to invite him to come to a class that was being given by Rabbi Rosenfeld. And he came and he brought a friend at the time, a little bit younger than him. And they both came to the class and I was curious to see how they're going to react because people are different. And like the rabbi said, every class is different. The same rabbi can give one class that's very inspirational and what, and then you go to another class, it's, it's not the same. Nobody, you know, we're not, we're not robots, you know. And the Torah is not this, one page is like this, one page. A person learns Likuti Alachot, for example. It's dynamite, but there are certain pages that are more this way, more inspirational, certain pages that you get less inspiration. So I was curious to see what the reaction would be after the class. I remember asking the rabbi, how did you like it? Loved it, excellent, and I was so happy. Then I asked his young friend that was with him, how did you like the class? And he said, I'm very angry. And I said, here goes, here goes, you know. I said, what are you very angry about? He says, I'm very angry that I didn't know about these classes a long time ago. <laughs> and till, till, till today, 
He's been a devoted student of Rabbi Rosenfeld, the press who listens to the Kleino, etc., etc., to see how people react. And, and the rabbi made a very important point when he was learning before that a person who studies the Torah with honestly, a person who reads a Torah book with real sincerity and honesty, because sometimes all of us have preconceived notions and, and preconceived things that we're coming to the table with. A person comes to a discussion. Whatever kind of discussion it is, whether it's related to Torah, whether it's related to business, person, a, a salesman is coming to a person to try to sell him a product. If the person, the buyer, is open to listen, he'll listen with a certain ear. If the buyer knows he's coming to the table, he already made a decision. I don't care what it is. I am not making any purchase this year whatsoever. Then the guy can give him 10 stories and 10 proofs. He's not going to hear it. Rabbi Nachman puts this into a very small statement. He says there's something called nitzachon. Nitzachon means victory. The word nitzachon has several meanings in Hebrew. It means victory, netzach. It means eternity, netzach. And it also means um, a person's, a person's this wanting to be right, want to win, to win, victory, victory. Victory means, victory means victory. I'm going into a debate, I'm going into a, a negotiation even, and I want to win. I want to win. The salesman wants to win, he wants to make the sale. The buyer wants to win, I'm not going to let him sell me. I'm not going to let him convince, you know, they go into this negotiation. So Rabbi Nachman says, there's a pasuk that says, V'gam netzach Yisrael lo yishaker. Hashem is called the victor of the Jewish people, the victor the eternity of the Jewish people is Hashem. Hashem is Netzach Yisrael, and He doesn't lie. He does not lie. Meaning, and Rabbi Nachman says, let me explain. He says, when a person is go, has an attitude that they made a decision already, before, before discussing a topic, they've already made a decision, then no matter how many proofs you show them, no matter how clear it is, you will not be able to convince them. Because one of the prerequisites for a person to be able to get to truth is a certain openness. A person has to be open, a person has to be undecided. I'm, I'm, I didn't make it, how can I make a decision before I hear, you know, before I know what it's about? I'm, 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 I want to listen to something with an open mind, and then I'll decide whether I agree or disagree, whether I choose yes or no, that kind of thing. So unfortunately, there are many people, many people, and even religious people sometimes, who will engage another person, a friend or a rabbi, in a discussion about Torah, about life. And again, the person's going into the discussion knowing, I'm right, I'm right, my way is correct, this and that. And a person who goes in with that attitude cannot, cannot get to truth. This is Rabbi Nachman's words cannot get to truth, because one of the prerequisites to get to truth is to rid oneself of this nitzachon, of I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, well, yeah, I'm right, who are you? You know, you're not Hashem. Hashem, Hashem is always right, Hashem is always right, he's the truth. We human beings, anyone can make a mistake, you know, we see Moshe Rabbeinu at one point approached Aaron HaKohen, re reprimanded him, yeah. Anon can explain himself, and it says that Moshe Rabbeinu pulled back. He, he agreed, you're right, you're right. Why did you eat from this sacrament? Explain. So I'm saying, in terms of us, 
and, and again, Rosh Hashanah, like the rabbi said, Rabbi Nachman made a statement that Rosh Hashanah includes everything. The entire Judaism is in Rosh Hashanah. Tefillin is in Rosh Hashanah, Tzitzit, Mikvah, everything. And there's a rabbi, one of Rabbi Natanzal's students, mm -hmm. said, I'll show you. And he wrote a book, he started writing a book, he didn't complete it, going through every chapter in Likute Moran, all the topics that are discussed, and showing how it's all in Rosh Hashanah. That by a person observing the mitzvot of Rosh Hashanah properly, the prayers, the Torah, the eating the right foods, he's pushing all 613 buttons of the Torah. He's connecting to every single facet of the Torah. And in our prayers, one of the things we say on Rosh Hashanah, Udvarcha emet v'kayam la'ad. Hashem, your words are the truth and they are eternal. So again, in order for a person to, to avail themselves for that, a person has to want to rid themselves of this midat hanitzachon, of feeling, I'm right. I'm right and I have to be right, whether I'm dealing with my spouse, with my kids, with my neighbors, with my rabbi, friends. Again, some, we're born with a little bit of this, and, and people, this is one of the bad character traits that people develop in life sometimes. That, uh, and un unfortunately, it's encouraged in some ways, the competition that goes on in, in classrooms, all kind, people competing, always wanting to win. You know, you're trained to know that it's all about winning. And sometimes it's winning in a, an honest way. And there are people, obviously, who the fact that they want to win supersedes their degree of honesty. They'll cheat, steal, this, that, because they want to win. Win meaning, I want to be on top. I, whether it's I want to be wealthy, I want to be looked up to, I want success, whether it's for kavod or for money or for whatever reason, you know, that kind of thing. And, and one of the things that we, we try to, when we talk about making teshuvah and eliminating any neg negative character traits that we have, this is one of them. I want to rid myself of any wrong type of nitzachon. I want to become part of Hashem. I want to, be, I want to go under Hashem's nitzachon. I want Hashem to be right in my life. That when I'm about to make a decision, should I do this, should I do that? I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. Hashem, open my eyes. Give me your wisdom. When we pray in the Amidah, Chaneinu me'itcha chokhmah binavadat. I'm saying my mind has all, can be, can be 40% pure, 30%, you know, my mind has all kinds of confusion in it sometimes, good and bad. But I know that Hashem's dat, or the dat of the Torah, or the dat of the tzaddikim, that's real dat. And I want to eliminate as much as possible when I sit down to a book or when I sit down to a discussion with a person. I want to avail myself to that person, what, what I can get, from, what that person can contribute to my life. I remember my rabbi once said, Rabbi Rosenfeld, that the Torah describes Shlomo HaMelech. It says, Vatorev Chochmat Shlomo, the wisdom of King Salman was great, Mikol Hadam Ashel Adama, from all of man on, on the entire earth. His, so the, the simple translation is, his wisdom was greater than all man on the entire earth. But the rabbi said that his wisdom was great because he knew that Hashem created this person, and Hashem created that person, and Hashem created non-Jews, and Hashem created butterflies, birds. And if Hashem created them, there's a piece of Hashem in all of these things. There's something that I could learn, that I could benefit from all of these things. There's the famous story of King David. King David was one of the giants of all time. 
and he understood he was a rabbi. He taught Torah and everything. And he said there were two things that he never was able to understand why Hashem, for what purpose Hashem created these two things. These two things seemed to be excessive. The world would be better off without them. One of the things was insanity, insanity, craziness. And the second thing was a spider web. You know, people say, ugh, ugh, why did Hashem have to make these things and I have to climb up there and get rid of it? It's so ugly, it's so this. And Hashem said, I'm going to teach you. And he showed him that he had two episodes in his life where these two things literally saved his life. Once he was running for his life from Shaul HaMelech and he ran into a cave and, and Shaul showed up not long afterwards. And had there not been a spider web there, they would have gone into the cave. But Hashem sent a spider to quickly spin a web. They saw it. Oh, nobody's been in here for, for months. They walked past the opening, and that spared his life. You know, And the, the case of insanity was the case where King David was running for his life from Sholem Aleich again. He, the Philistines caught him, and they recognized that this was the one that had murdered their savior, Goliath, Goliath. And they grabbed him, they taught him, they brought him to their king. And they figured they're going to get a million-dollar reward. They captured the enemy of the Philistines. And David Amelach sees himself in this situation. There's no way out. How, how do you get out of this? And Hashem put the thought in his mind to act crazy, to, act, to put on a performance as if he's nuts. Um, you know. And he starts doing this, right? And the king looks at him and says, we don't have enough idiots, you crazy people here. You brought me, get this guy out of here. And they try and explain, but, but, but he's, you know who he, get him out of here. I don't want to hear a word. Just get this guy out of here. And that's what saved his life, literally. So Hashem showed him that even things sometimes that you don't perceive as being necessary, if you will, if you will avail your mind to Hashem's wisdom, to the wisdom of the Torah, to the wisdom of the tzaddikim, You'll learn. You'll learn that Hashem is very smart and He has put His ingenuity in the Torah. The Torah is the book that contains it all. The tzaddikim are the ones who have mastered the Torah on the highest level. And at the same time, it, so then, then, I, then I don't need anybody else. I don't have to talk to my neighbor. I don't have to talk to my wife. No, no, no. There's wisdom in every person. And the more that we have a, a positive, healthy relationship with every person, the more I'm availing myself to get what I can benefit from that person. And that's part of Rosh Hashanah. That's one of the main tests going into this season. Because again, wherever you pray, on Rosh Hashanah, there's all kinds of people coming to shul that aren't there all year round. You're coming into contact with all kinds of people. And if the attitude is that, I'm a, I know everything. I am everything, and I know everything. And everybody here is, exce- is, is excessive. We don't really need... I'd be better off if this one weren't here or that one here. If I go into it with that attitude, it's one thing. Or if I, the Ari Kadosh taught us a secret that one of the things that ensures that a person's prayers are accepted is if before the person prays, the person says, I hereby accept upon myself the mitzvah of loving every Jew like I love myself. That when a person does that, he's locking hands with 600,000 Jews. And the Torah makes a statement that a prayer of an individual can be can be knocked out. There are angels, there are all kinds of obstacles that can block a prayer of an individual. A prayer of a tzibur, of a large crowd, Hashem never rejects. That's the wording in the pasuk. Doesn't reject. We should be zuched to lock hands, all of us, 
those that will be in Uman, those who, if for whatever reason a person cannot be there, wherever we are, to know that we're all, we are one. Uh, we say in, in, on, on Shabbat at Mincha, the holiest, holiest time of the week, we say, Hashem, you are one, your name is one, and who is like your special nation, one nation in the world. And the one means this unity, this genuine unity, should be zochet, to put aside our silliness and, and unite, unite and have respect and love for each other and for Hashem in the Torah. And that's zochet, be zochet, uh, all the benefits of this great holiday to close the year on, on a good note. Happiness, Hashem should eliminate all of our worries, all the, the, the pain and suffering and the negativity. And the new year should be a billion times better. Amen. Just wanted to add, uh, if I can, the, first of all, I'm very angry that Rabbi Maimon, who was here a few days ago, didn't come to teach us a few days ago. That's number one. Uh, in addition, wanted to add just two small things. In Sifrei Rabbeinu Zal, it asks an important question directly related to what the rabbi said. Hadricheni ba'ametecha. We read in the Ledavid, please lead me in the pathway of your truth. Now, one would think it should say, Hadricheni ba'emet. Lead me on the pathway of truth. There's a pathway of truth. What does it mean, your truth? So, the tzaddikim tell us that there is a relative truth of what a person wants that it should be the truth. The person has bias, and because of this bias, he talks himself into the fact that certain things are the truth and the real pathway that he should take. But it's false because it's a relative truth with his bias. And we ask Hashem, do me a favor, Hashem. I know I'm biased. Even my truth is relative. David HaMelech says, I'm not interested in my truth or his truth. I want the emet amito, the real stark naked truth, which is your truth, Hashem. I'm willing to cast my mind aside and follow your truth. Just teach me what the truth is, emet amito. As far as nitzahon and victory is concerned, which stems from Ga'ava, remember a beautiful story that we were... Ramayman was there also. We were once walking back from Sipurei Ma'asiyot on Shabbat morning in Me'ah Sha'arim with our Rebbe, Rav Michal Dorfman, Allah Shalom. And all of a sudden he stopped. From time to time he would do that. He stopped right on the corner of the, where, where Rehov Me'ah Sha'arim starts getting a little wide away. He stopped right there. And we had just come back from Uman, could be with Rosh Chodesh Nisan, whatever it is. He says, you know, Whatever we are, whatever we're not, whatever we got, whatever we didn't got, one thing we get from the, the connection to the tzaddik from going to Uman, that at least we see ourselves more truthfully. Hashem el tzaddikim. The eyes of Hashem are to tzaddikim, which means that the person himself, when he goes to the tzaddik, sees himself like in a mirror. And he stops fooling himself of what he, what he is and what he isn't. He starts to understand his many faults and stops being so highfalutin and, and uh, arrogant. He at least, at, he says, whatever we got, whatever we didn't get, in his humility, he was saying, at least we saw what we're not. We understood that what we are not. 
we understood our failings from going there. So if we didn't get anything except that from going there, that alone would be worth it. At least we know what we're not. We know the reality now of fooling ourselves into being something great. This is a prerequisite for the days of awe that we need this hachna'ava anava. This type of humility, like Rabbeinu Sal says, Ikara chuva The sense of shame that a person feels when he is shamed, or whether he's when he's ashamed of his avonot, that is the main part of teshuvah, the shame that a person has. We should be zochet to attachment to the true tzaddikim, which will give us the right eyes to see ourselves in the in the correct light. And the merit of the tzaddikim, we should merit a good year begashmiut v'ruhniyut. A tiny, cute thing. There's a mishnah, a famous mishnah, that says that when a person is going to collect money, a person is collecting funds. And he knows that if he, he goes like a regular person, the person will give him a dollar. If he pretends to be a cripple, the person shows up Aye. in a wheelchair. When he's not really a cripple, he knows that the same person will give him $5 because we're human. We feel pity. See a person in that condition, I don't need to be convinced that he needs financial help. So the Mishnah says if a person pretends to be a cripple in order to fool people and he's not, that person will not leave the world until he actually becomes a cripple. And it says if a person pretends to be blind, he won't leave the world until he's blind. And the Mishnah gives a few examples. So our rabbi, Rabbi Rosenfeld, thought about this, and he he came up with an interesting point. What about a person who pretends to be a tzaddik? He pretends to be a very holy, righteous person. He's a mekubal, a tzaddik, and everything. Is the Mishnah telling us that he won't leave the world without becoming a tzaddik? <laughs> that was his question. And he came up with the answer also. And he said the answer is that when a person starts off fooling other people, he's putting a pretense for other people, but he knows. He knows he's what he is and what he's not. The punishment there is if a person, when a person makes believe he's a tzaddik and that kind of thing, at first, he's only fooling the people, but he knows he's not. His punishment is he won't leave the world without convincing himself. He'll become convinced that he's a tzaddik. And that's the worst punishment in the world. Because as long as I know that I'm not yet a tzaddik, then I can look for a tzaddik. I can ask a tzaddik to help me. I know that I need help from other people. The moment a person convinces himself, chas v'shalom, that he's a big tzaddik before the right time, when he's not yet there, he's in big, big trouble. Because chas v'shalom, that person doesn't realize that he's got a long way to go, he's got a lot to correct, he's got a lot to learn, that kind of thing. To the emet, to the pure, uh, sweet emet. And that's, there's another incredible question. Emet is one of the 13 attributes of kindness. How do you explain this? Emet is honesty. A, a court, a court of law, a court of justice. Justice means justice. Justice is not kindness. There's justice and there's kindness, and usually we define them as, as completely different things, correct? Because according to a cop catches you going through a red light, he stops you. He says, here, I got the picture, you went through a red light, it's this and this law, the penalty is this and this and this. It's three points on your license and it's a $500 penalty. That's the emet. Now the cop says, but I'm going to check your record. If you haven't had any violations, I'll let, you, I'll let it go this time, but I'm warning you, I catch you ever again, you'll get the full, you know. That's, that's chesed, that's emet, that's chesed. 
How could emet be one of the attributes of kindness? The answer is by Hashem. It's like the rabbi said. Our emet, our definition of emet, sometimes is we think we know what emet. Emet means justice, that this couple should get divorced. You know, the, the, there's a, the, the angels of emet, when it came to creating the worlds, the angels of emet said, Hashem, don't do it. You're going to be sorry. When it came to creating man, not the world. It says the angels of truth said, don't do it. Man is false. Man is going to lie. Don't do it. Hashem, it says, Hashem threw the emet away, and he went ahead. So Rabbi Natan Zalesk, one second, what in the world's going on here? If they are the angels of truth, how could they have come up with the wrong answer? This, they, they spoke false. Proof is Hashem went ahead and created man. So we see they were wrong. What's, and he explains that even though they're called the angels of Emet, their Emet is not Hashem's Emet. They're one step removed, which could be a billion miles removed. <coughs> they were right. In a certain place, what they were saying was accurate, was true. But Hashem had a higher Emet. Hashem said, what about Teshuvah? And what about my attribute of kindness? One of the things I'm one of my hats is Rachum. Who am I going to use kindness on? The angels? The angels don't need no kindness. So if I don't create men, I'm going to be incomplete, Hashem said. So there's, there's an emet. Usually you say the truth. I don't want to know the truth. I don't want the truth. I don't want the $500 fine, and I don't want the... But Hashem's emet is a sweet emet. Hashem knows the high... An example being... Again, a man suspects his wife, she's hanging out with another man, he sees it, he warns her not to, and she's caught secluded with this other man. They didn't see her actually commit a physical sin, but she was caught secluded. They bring her to the Beit HaMikdash, we take a Porsche, and now we, we we're trying to find out, did she actually commit a physical sin or not? So Hashem says, in order to do that, I want you to write on a parchment, a whole portion of the Torah, including my names, and erase my name, erase the whole thing, scrape off the letters, put it into a cup, give it to her to drink. If she didn't commit a sin, she'll be blessed. If she didn't have children, now she'll have children. If she had children, she'll have better children. If she did commit a sin, her stomach will explode, you know, terrible things. But the Torah says, Hashem says, let my name be erased. Hashem's, Hashem is truth, Hashem is emet. Hashem says there are times when you erase the truth, to bring peace, to make shalom between husband and wife. So again, we see that within emet, this is what the rabbi said, Hashem, I want your emet. I don't want the emet of the angels. I want your emet. You know, Rabbi Natanza once asked Rabbi Nachman, should I become a rabbi? Should I become a synagogue, you know, a posseg? Rabbi Nachman said to him, why not? Why not? It's a good idea. You know, sounds, sounds good. He heard the word sounds good, and that wasn't the answer he was looking for. I'm talking about a, the, the decision of my life, you know, kind of sounds good, you know. He asked him again, he asked him like two or three times on different occasions because he felt something wasn't, the last time he asked him, he said, Rabbi, please, I want to know the real truth. Is this what I should do? Should I become? He said, you want to know the real truth? There's other rabbis that you have a different mission completely. And had he become a posseg, we would not have any of these books. That's the truth. Wouldn't have any of these. It's only because he put aside some of his career that, that he had in mind that he had the most. He was the one who ensured that Rabbi Nachman's teachings would be available for hundreds of years, you know, etc. Baruch Hashem. Tzkulish anim rabot imot v'tzobot.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.